Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Canton Church, a campus of Mount Perrin North. We exist to help people live a Christ-centered life, and we hope that you are encouraged by today's message. I'm glad to be with you this morning. You know, there are sayings that have been said over and over and over again within our families from generation to generation to generation that these sayings have literally become universal in all families, that regardless of what family you come from, you've probably said this or heard this said within your family. In fact, I want to do a little experiment here. I want to read like a portion of one of these sayings, and let's see if we can all fill in the blank. For instance, money doesn't grow on... Yeah, see, there you go. That's something you've, you've heard within your family. Here's another one I think you've probably heard. Close the door were you raised in a barn. See, yeah, you were raised in the same family that I was raised in. Here's one where I have both received and dispensed this, and it it says this, stop crying before I give you something to cry about. And I don't even know what that means. Do you know what that means? I don't know. And here's one that I said I would never do as a parent, but I broke my vow, and it's this. I wash your mouth out with soap. Absolutely. Anybody had that happen to you? Palm Olive Life Boy. How many of you like Palm Olive more? It tends to work. Now, now here's one that, um, well, it just speaks for itself. This hurts me. More than it hurts you. Yeah, that's the biggest lie in the world. Kids, you hear your parents say that? They are lying through their teeth. Here, here's another one. You know, you're, you're, you're in the car, and you've got your kids in the back seat, and they're misbehaving, and they're rebelling, and finally you turn around and you say, don't make me pull this car. Right. You, you've had that happen. I was, I was sharing these statements with my wife just to, just to make sure that these were truly universal, that this is some things that they said within her family, and I came to this one, and I said, uh, don't, uh, don't, make me, uh, uh, don't, don't you make me pull this, and she said, trigger. <laughs> now, you know, I don't know if in their family they would put a gun to your head. No wonder she's such an obedient person within her. Man, I've, I've been sleeping the past three nights with one eye open, just trust me. And then here's one that all moms have said to their kids since Eve gave birth to Cain and Abel, and it's this. Just wait until your father gets home. Yeah, see? We're all from the same family. These are universal. I want to read, or invite you to read with me for a moment, uh, another set of statements. And this comes from Numbers chapter 6 out of the Old Testament, verses 24 through 26. And it's some statements that, well, are we as familiar with these in our families as we were these others. Let's read this out loud together, please. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now, if you attend Canton Church for any length of time, this ought to sound somewhat familiar to you because we close out our worship services every week with this blessing. And it's called the priestly blessing. And it was a blessing that Moses would pronounce over the people of Israel. Now, I have a question for us as families. Did these statements that we read out of God's Word about being a family blessing, are they as familiar to us as these other statements that were familiar to us? In other words, are we families of blessing? Do we as families, through our attitudes, our actions, and our words, display this type of a blessing towards one another Even more so, do we reflect and display the God behind these blessings 
to one another. And that's what I want to focus on for the next few moments, looking at the God behind these blessings and what he's saying about himself and to us as family. Now, before we dive deep into that, let me just give you some observations about the priestly blessing. The first observation I want to make with you is that it's often referred to as the Lord's Prayer of the Old Testament. If you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer, it's in Matthew chapter 6. It's a part of what we call the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus Christ preached one time in, in, in his time in, in a part of the New Testament. And what it's saying is as familiar as the Lord's Prayer is to people, even people that don't read the Bible that much or attend church that much, the Lord's Prayer is familiar to them somehow. Well, this Old Testament blessing was also very familiar to people, especially in the Jewish community. Even today, Jewish families use this blessing. And this also, a second observation, is this came from God. This is not something that Moses made up, but this was something God gave to Moses to speak to the people so he would know the type of God that they would know the type of God that he was. And then thirdly, I just said an observation, this was something God spoke over the people of Israel. But it's interesting, all the individual families of Israel begin to adopt this blessing for their families. In fact, they would begin to pronounce it over one another within their families. Thus, they took the priestly word out of the priestly blessing, and now it's just called the blessing. Because families then and today, Jewish families, would pronounce this blessing, and still today, over their particular families. And when you look at this blessing, it's actually three blessings in one. It's one contiguous statement, yes, but God's actually giving three blessings in one, and he's reflecting three particular things about himself that we're going to look at. Now, just as Moses spoke this blessing over the entire Israeli community, and they were made up of individual families. When you talk about the church, we're actually a family of families. When you talk about the entire church body, it's a collection of families. In fact, one of the metaphors used in Scripture to describe the church is the family of God, which makes sense because we have God the Father, who is the Father of the church. You have Jesus Christ, who's Savior and Lord, yes, of all, but He's also called the Elder Brother to the church. The Holy Spirit is referred to as the counselor and the comforter. He kind of brings the, 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 the mother side of things into the family. Followers of Christ are called the children of God and we're called brothers and sisters in Christ. So there's strong family imagery and, and verbiage that's used to describe the church, that we are a family and that's how we function. And when you look at this family of families, you know, as the individual family goes, so goes the church. And as the church goes, so goes the individual families. One affects the other because we're so interconnected and interwoven together as a family of families. So as we look at this three-in-one blessing and what God's saying to us as individual families, I want you to be thinking two ways with me. I want you to be thinking in terms of individual family, but also the corporate Canton church family, what God would be saying to us about who this God is and how we are to treat and relate with one another. The first blessing of this three-in-one blessing comes from this statement, the Lord bless you and keep you. Will you say that out loud with me, please? The Lord bless you and keep you. And blessing one that God is trying to show us is that God secures us because this phrase, keep us, the Lord bless you and keep you. You, that phrase, keep you, it means to be made secure. It means to be made safe, to have a sense of safety and a sense of 
belonging. I love what Pastor Blake read a moment ago out of Deuteronomy, talking about this God that's good, that's fair, that he's a rock, that he speaks truth. Because that's what God's trying to communicate to the people of Israel and to us today, that he is a God we can trust. He is a God we can depend upon. He's a God that's reliable. He doesn't lie. He doesn't cheat. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, deceive. His word is truth. He keeps his promises. And he's saying to us as families that he secures us. And he wants us to be a family that demonstrates security to one another. So here's the family question we have to ask ourselves. Do we make each other feel secure within our family? Do we, the way we react and interact with those in our family, do they walk away from us feeling like they're safe and they're secure, that we can be trusted and that we're reliable? In other words, when someone out of our family has spent time with us, do they walk away going, man, I can't wait to get back with them. I can't wait to spend more time with them. Or do they walk away going, the next time I get with them, it will be far too soon. I would rather not spend any time with them. Because we give this sense that we can't be trusted, or this sense that we can't be depended upon. God is a God that can be trusted because he makes us feel secure and gives us safety. And we as family, we want to communicate that one to the other. When I was a little boy, growing up, we had a family right across the street. And they had a, a, a little boy named Stuart. He was about five or six years younger than me. So at this time, I'm about 11 or 12, so he's about, what, five or six, somewhere, somewhere in that neighborhood. And Stuart was a kid that he didn't just show up at your house unannounced or uninvited. He showed up in your house unannounced <laughs> or uninvited. Because back in that day, we felt so secure and safe within our neighborhoods, we didn't lock, we didn't lock our doors. We didn't have security systems. Does anybody even remember those days at all? Some of you? Two of us in the room. Awesome. Great. The rest of you, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But he would just come into the house at any hour of the day. It could be 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. This little bitty guy just come across the street. You'd be asleep in bed, and you'd feel this presence in your room, and you'd open your eyes, and Stuart would be staring at you. He said, let's go watch cartoons, or let's get a bowl of cereal. So we'd have to call his parents and say, okay, we got your kid over here. We'll bring him home at lunch or whatever. Anyway, we had a bunch of my family over one weekend with some holiday, and a whole bunch of cousins bunch of kids over there. So Stuart kept showing up because he wanted to be with the kids. So we started playing hide-and-go-seek down in our basement. And it kind of turned into hide-and-seek for Stuart. Because Stuart was such a little bitty guy. He could hide him in great places, top of a closet, in a drawer, on top of a shelf. It was awesome. So we kept hiding in these places. Yeah, I, I think he's traumatized to this day. I don't know. But anyway, we, we hid him in the laundry basket in our laundry room, stuck him down in there, put all the dirty clothes on top of him. You couldn't see him at all. I don't know what the smell was like in there, but he didn't seem to, it didn't seem to mind it. So we would all hide, and we wouldn't hide great places because we want the person that was it to find us, and then we'd go hunt for Stuart, or at least see if they could find Stuart. So the person that was it found everybody, and we were in the laundry room, and somebody in the laundry room says, Stuart, if you're in here, don't say anything. And Stuart popped up out of the laundry basket, all the clothes on top, and says, okay, I won't, and then dropped right back down. Well, obviously... <laughs> They found Stuart right away. But you know what? When his parents would come to pick him up or take him home, Stuart would cry. He would scream. He would pitch a fit because he felt very secure, very safe. He felt like he belonged in our home. That's not to say he didn't feel that way in his own household, but for whatever reason, he felt very secure and safe 
and wanted to stay with us. Let me ask you a question, families. Do your family members have a tendency to want to more stay at home with you or spend more time away from home? Canton Church. Family of families. We want this always to be a place. No matter when somebody comes, first time or their 100th time, a place that demonstrates you belong here. You're welcome here. You're safe here. You can bring any sin. You can bring any brokenness. You can bring any woundedness that's happened in your life. And you can bring it in here. And we're not going to judge you. But we're going to welcome you and we're going to show you the God that keeps you secure. We want you to know a God that you can trust and you can rely on and you can depend on and you can take his promises to the bank. And if you're in here and you don't know who God is, you don't know who Jesus Christ is, or maybe you come from a very, very broken, dysfunctional family where you have never felt all that secure and all that safe, I want you to know this God that Moses is talking about. You can trust him. He will keep you secure. First blessing is God secures us. The second blessing of this three-in-one blessing comes from this phrase that says, The Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. Read that out loud with me, please. The Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. And blessing two says, God is for us. Blessing one says God secures us. Blessing two says God is for us. That, that phrase there that says to make his face shine upon us, it's the idea that he has his face turned towards us and it's radiant, it's beaming. It's as though God is smiling. It's like he is proud of his kids. It's like he's saying, man, that's my son, that's my daughter. Those are my children. And he's got this big smile on his face because he's for us. He's not against us. And what did the blessing say? That you'll know he's, he's radiant towards you and he wants to be gracious towards you. Everything that God does towards us is out of his grace and his love and his mercy. He is, he is proud of his kids. And listen, if God isn't for us, folks, we have no hope. But if God is for us, we have nothing but hope. And that's the thing God wanted Israel to know. I am for you. And here's the question. For families this morning, are we for one another? Do we communicate and create a culture within our home that says, hey, you can trust and you can rely on me. You're secure and safe with me, as well as I'm for you. I'm with you. We're in this thing together. I've got your back. That I'm, I'm going to be there for you, and we're in this. We're, we're each other's greatest cheerleaders. Now, that doesn't mean that we can live any way we want to live. doesn't mean that. God being for us doesn't mean he condones everything that we do. It doesn't mean that he's pleased with everything that we do. God will discipline us. God has a direct way of life that he wants us to live, but he will discipline us. Do you know why God disciplines us? Because he's for us. If he was against us, he wouldn't care. He said, go live how you want to live. Just let it wreck and ruin your life. But because he's for us, he disciplines us. In our own families, we discipline our children because we know if they continue a certain way, it will bring wreck and ruin and harm into their lives. So we are willing as parents, just as God is, we'll inflict some temporary pain to keep them from eternal destruction and pain. So it's not the idea that I can just live however I want to live. 
It's the idea of understanding that within God's will, within his desire for our lives, he is for us. He has the best life possible that we can live. God is our greatest cheerleader. And I want to ask families, are you your greatest cheerleaders? Is the culture in your family one that says, hey, you have what it takes. You measure up. You can make it. Or is it more of a culture of you don't have what it takes. You don't measure up. Is it one of constant put down and criticism? Or is it one of a culture of encouragement and building one another up? Are we our greatest cheerleaders? You know, I had the wonderful privilege of teaching our kids. My wife is sitting right here on the front row. And uh, I had the privilege of teaching our children how to ride a bike and, and how to drive a car. My wife would have nothing to do with getting in a car with our kids when they were learning how to drive. In fact, she still will not get in the car with our kids. And they're 28 and 25 years old. But I had the privilege of teaching them both. And I remember teaching our son, Justin. He was maybe five or six at the time, maybe a little younger, teaching him how to ride a bike. And, you know, had the helmet on and had the knee pads and the elbow pads and, and got him out in a big parking lot in, the, in a, a school nearby where we lived. And you know how you do when you're, you're teaching your, your kids how to, how to ride a bike. You know, you kind of go along beside them and you're kind of steadying the bike and holding the bike until they get a feel for two wheels. And then you kind of let go while you're walking with them. And when they start to maybe go down, you grab them and keep them steady and you just keep doing that. Walking along, running along beside them until they get the hang of it. And then once they start getting the hang of it, man, they kind of leave you behind. Well, I remember when I was doing that with Justin. I don't know how, how long we had taken, but I had walked with him and kept him upright and was running beside him and keeping him from falling. And finally he got it, and man, he starts taking off and leaving me. And man, I started cheering for him. I was like, way to go, Justin. That's great, man. You're looking good, Justin. Outstanding, Justin. Keep going, Justin. And he thought I was calling him for something, and so he looked over his shoulder and wiped out. So I went to him and he says, why were you yelling at me? I said, I was trying to cheer you on. He says, well, don't anymore because I think you're calling me for something. He's a very obedient kid. It just didn't work in that moment. But that's God. God is walking with us and saying, I got you. I'm with you. I'm for you. You can do this. With me by your side, you have what it takes. And when you and I start wobbling and starting to fall, he'll grab us. If we do fall, because we have really walked far from him, he will be right there. And if we'll let him, he'll pick us back up and he'll mend us and he'll put us back together. See, that's the God that's for us. Is that what we're communicating to one another in family? I'm your greatest cheerleader. Canton Church. Man, in everything that we preach, and everything that we teach, and every song that we sing, and in every way we interact with one another, man, we want to communicate to anybody, God is for you. You can bring any sin, you can bring any brokenness, you can bring anything into this church and into this body, and we're going to tell you about a God that loves you, and a God that wants to take care of you, a God that wants to save you, a God that wants to forgive you, a God that wants to heal you, a God that wants you to put, put you back together. If that's not the God we serve, shut the doors and let's go home. But he is a great God who is for us. And I love what the scripture says. If God be for us, 
who can be against us. That's what we want you to know. You may feel like God is a million miles away from you. Let me just tell you this. That's a feeling that's not reality. The second of the three-in-one blessing, God's for us. And then the third one, the third of the three-in-one blessing comes with the phrase that says, the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Can you read that one out loud with me, please? The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Blessing three here is the idea of a God that knows us. Blessing one is the God that secures us. Blessing two, God is for us. Blessing three, God knows us. This idea that his face is turned towards us, the, the second blessing was the idea that his face radiates, he smiles, he, he, he's for us in that regard. This idea that he turns his face toward us is the idea that he looks intricately and intimately into our lives, that he looks up and over and down into who we are. He knows who we are. He knows where we are. He knows what we're struggling with. He knows the fears and the failures and the flaws of our lives, yet he still wants to make us secure. He still is for us. He knows how we're wired. He knows our passions. He knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our gifts. He knows the purposes he has for us because he's the one that's designed those things. He has made those things, and he wants us to know that he knows us but he wants us to know him so that we can become everything that he's desired for, designed for us to become. In every way that he's made us. And here's the question for families in the room. Do we know each other and celebrate each other's uniquenesses? Now, I know uniquenesses is not a word, but you put a hyphen in any word and you got a brand new word. All, right? All the English teachers are just going, what is he talking about? Uniquenesses is a word. Have you noticed in your family not everybody is like you? You figured that out yet? If you haven't, well, God be with you. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Everybody in our family is not like us. Praise God. What a boring family that would be. But everybody's different. Different gifts, different abilities, different weaknesses, different strengths wired in the way God has wired them. And those differences within family, yes, they can be challenging. No doubt within family. But families, let me just ask the question, are we using the differences to exploit one another, to take advantage of one another, to criticize one another, to put one another down? Are we, are we letting the differences dominate us in conflict? Or are we recognizing that everybody's different, everybody's wired differently with, as, as God's wired them, and we're trying to celebrate that. We're trying to create within our families a culture that allows every person to really discover how God's wired them, to really find out their purpose and, and, and that God has for them, to really be able to use their gifts and talents to the ability that God has designed for them to be. Family is not a place where we keep each other down from what God wants from us. Family is the place where we encourage one another and build each other up to become everything that God wants us to become. How many of you have more than one child? Isn't that God's cruel joke? Isn't it? You have that first kid, right? And you figure that kid out finally? And you go, oh man, this parenting thing's a piece of cake. Let's have another one. Bad idea. 
Because what does God do? Okay, here, have this one. And wires that one totally different than the first one. Do I have an amen in the house on that? Yeah. You know, it's, and God just laughs, I think. He, he, it's, it's his own piece of entertainment that he gives to us. We have two children I made reference to. Our son, Justin, is a thinker. Our daughter, Ashton, is a feeler. Our son, Justin, is an in-the-box kid. Our daughter, Ashton, has no box at all. And I don't know. Justin was maybe six, seven, or eight. Ashton would have been four, five, or six, somewhere in that neighborhood. Udella's putting them to bed. I'm out of town or at a meeting or something. I'm not there. And Justin had already, someplace in the course of his little bitty life at that time, had made the decision to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. He had prayed to ask Jesus to forgive him of his sins and be the Savior and Lord of his life. And we had been talking to Ashton about that and her understanding of that as she was getting older. And that conversation came up when Udella was putting him in bed, and they shared the same room. And so Ashton was talking about, well, I, I want to accept Jesus. So Udella said, well, you know, you ask him to forgive you of your sins and come to come into your life and be Lord and lead your life, and he'll come into your heart and to your life. And she says, well, that's what I want to do. So Udella led her in that kind of a prayer, and they said amen. Now, at this point, Justin has not said a word. At the amen, now remember, Ashton's a feeler. She looks at her mother and says, Mommy, I don't feel Jesus in my heart. Justin, the thinker. The black and white kid speaks up for the first time and says, well, if you don't have Jesus in your heart, you're going to hell. <laughs> Ashton, the feeler, I don't, I don't want to go to hell. I don't, I don't even think she knew what hell was. I don't, I don't want to go to hell. Justin, the thinker, well, if you don't have Jesus in your heart, you're going to hell. You tell the referee, son, she's not going to hell. Mom, if you don't have Jesus in your heart, you're going to hell. Listen, she's not going, I don't want to, sweetheart, you're not going to hell. You've got Jesus, but I don't feel Jesus. Hey, if she doesn't have Jesus in her heart, she's going to hell. She's not going, you're not going, get out of the room. <laughs> Had to get our son out of the room to get our daughter out of hell into heaven. Parents, our children are not given to us by God for us to form them in our image. Our children are not given to us by God for us to live lives that for whatever reason we weren't able to live through them. Our children are given to us by God that by His wisdom, his counsel, his direction in our lives. We're helping our children know who this God is that secures them and is for them and knows them. That they can become everything that God has designed for them to become. Again, that doesn't mean they live however they want to live. Within the understanding of what it means to be a godly person, within the understanding of what God gives to us in his commands, we give guidance and direction and discipline and encouragement for our kids to become everything that they can become and what God has for them. Husbands and wives, God did not give us our spouses for us to make them into our image. God did not give us our spouses for us to control them or be some kind of slave in our lives. God gave us our spouses that together we could help one another become the full men and women that God designed for us to come. That together 
we know this God who knows us. And we encourage and we help one another become everything that God wants us to become. Canton Church, man, we want this to be a place that anybody, any family that comes in here, we let them know, hey, God knows exactly where you are. God knows exactly what you're dealing with. God knows the struggle and the hurts of your life. He knows the potential. He knows the gifts and talents and abilities. And man, we want to help you come to know who this God is, that everything he has designed for you will come to pass within your life. God secures us. He's for us. And he knows us. Invite the band to come up for a moment. There's a story that always kind of moves my heart about a, a dad who puts his little boy to bed. And if you've got kids, as I've made reference to several times, you know, when they're little, they have a, you have a, a bedtime routine for your kids to put in bed. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, getting the water, going to the bathroom, reading the book or the 15 books or how many books you got to read, whatever. Oh, there's a routine for every kid and putting them to bed. That's understanding some of their differences in rhythms and how they're formed, by the way. Well, this dad had done all that with his son. The whole routine. Puts him in bed, kisses him, says goodnight, son, and walking out, turns off the light, and the boy speaks up says, Daddy, Turn the light back on. I, I, I got something to say to you. He said, son, but it's time to go to bed. No, no, Dad. Just, just one moment. Turn the light back on. I, I got something I need to say to you. Son, quit, quit stalling. I, I know what you're doing. Just, just get to sleep. It's time. It's too late. Oh, Dad, please. Son, it's time to go to bed. Well, the boy starts crying. And if you've ever been in those moments, you know, okay, is this manipulation or is this a real issue here and that tension, that having to make that decision as a parent? Well, the dad says, to himself, all right, I'll go see what he wants. Turns the light back on. Sits on the edge of his boy's bed. Looks right at him. Says, son, what's wrong? Why are you crying? What's up? The boy looks right at his dad. Their face maybe, their faces are that far apart. Says, dad, I want you to turn the light back on. Because I wanted to see your face. Because every time I see your face, that's when I really know you love me. Of course, the dad hugs his little boy and says, man, I always love you. Kisses him, puts him back in the bed, walks out, turns the light out. See, family, church family is a place where together we turn the light on so we can see the face of God. Family and church is where the light comes on so we can know a God that secures us, a God that's for us, a God that knows us. It's all about helping one another see this light. And let me tell you, let me tell you where you and I see the face of God. Let me tell you where you and I can know this God that secures us, knows us, and is for us. Let me tell you where we find out and discover who he is. That's in Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ is the one that turned the light on for all of us to know and see and be able to experience and walk with this God. See, Jesus Christ is what we're looking for. Jesus Christ brings security, brings the understanding that God's for us. Jesus Christ brings the understanding that he knows us 
and we can know him. Maybe you're someone in here that needs to know this Jesus. Maybe you need the light turned on to see who this God is. Well, he's here. Christ is here to say, hey, receive me. Receive me and you'll know this God. Receive me and these sins that have so plagued your life, they'll be forgiven. The stuff that has been done to you or that you've done has brought brokenness in me. I will bring you healing. The dysfunction that may be because of your family, because of stuff you've been through with your family, Jesus Christ says, I'm the one to make you whole. I'm the one to heal you. I'm the one to give you a brand new way of thinking, a brand new way of looking at things. You do not have to be the product of some major dysfunctional family. You can truly be changed and transformed and become a product of the living God. You don't have to feel like, man, I'm trapped in what so-and-so did to me years ago. I'm trapped in the way my parents dealt with me, or I'm trapped in whatever. No, 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 no. That's a lie from an enemy who hates your guts, who wants to keep you confined to the bondage. But Jesus Christ is saying, I will set you free and make you whole and send you on a whole new trajectory of life. I don't know what you brought in here is family. But you don't have to walk out with it that way. I'm going to invite you to stand. I've, I've preached long enough. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet if you would, please. Can you just bow your heads and close your eyes a moment? Father, I, I invite your spirit to continue to move right now to minister to moms and dads, to minister to husbands and wives, to minister to sons and daughters, to minister to brothers and sisters. To just touch into the hearts of all of us right now. God, open up our hearts to what you want to do in these next few moments. bow and your eyes closed. I want to ask a question. I want to ask you to just be honest and courageous and just by faith respond to this. You say, man, you know what? My family needs prayer. My, my family needs prayer. We, we need we need to be this family of blessing. There are things we are dealing with Maybe you've been dealing with them for a little while. Maybe you've been dealing with them a long while. But you're standing there, you say, Pastor, you know what? My family needs prayer to be this family of blessing that God wants us to be. That's you. Would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor Mark, that's me. Just put it up good and high. Wow, God bless you. That's, that's, a, lot, that's a lot of hands. God, thank you for your honesty. Thank you for that. I want to I invite you to do this. Can we be family a moment? Can we just be family to one another a moment? I'm going to invite you just to reach out, take the hand of the person on your left and on your right. There were, there were quite a few hands that went up. And I want us to be family together for a moment. And just believe God together for a moment. It doesn't matter whether the person on your left and right raised their hand. What matters is we're going to believe one for the other of a God that we can trust a God that secures us, a God that's for us, a God that knows us. We're going to believe that together, one for the other right now. 
that regardless of what we have walked through or walking through, God knows and He has what we need. Father, I ask in Jesus' name right now, I ask God that as we pray one for the other, maybe that's a, that's a, that's a hand of a husband, hand of a wife, a hand of a son or a daughter, a hand of a mom or a dad, or it's a hand of a total stranger. God, I pray in Jesus' name for every person that raised his or her hand, or perhaps those that didn't but knew that, yes, he, he could be talking to me. I ask you right now in Jesus' name to begin to minister to those families, Father God. I pray for hope to rise up within these families. I pray for faith to rise up within these families right now, God. God, I pray for a whole new sense of your presence and power to arise within them. God, I pray for repentance, where people need to repent within their homes, Father God. Repent to one another. Repent to you, God. I pray for forgiveness of sins as we confess and believe that you are for us, God. I pray right now for healing. I pray for reconciliation. God, I pray for strained relationships in homes right now. That it will take miracle of miracle of miracles to bring any of these family members back together. God, we believe you're that kind of God. We believe you're that kind of God. And Father, whether ever, whether ever any of these strained relationships come back together, I pray for those in this room right now who are walking through that, God, you'll give them the ability to forgive. You'll give them the ability to walk in peace with that other person, regardless of what the other person does, Father God. You'll give them the ability to overcome any bitterness, any resentment, God, in Jesus' name. God, I'm praying for marriages to be as strong as they can possibly be in you. I'm praying for family units to be as strong as they can possibly be in you. It's a new day for families, God. And I'm praying for Canton Church, God. We'll always be a place. We'll always be a place that people know, man, you are for us. You know us and want us to know you. And you secure us because you're a God that can be trusted. We love you today, God. And we give you praise in your house because of the houses you are making us to be. For your praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.